You, you're listening to Punk Theology, you're listening to Punk, Punk, Punk. Wait, stand by. Punks are on holiday this week. So it's up to us machines to intro the show. The Christmas holiday has had the guys reminiscing, ruminating, and talking about the punk philosophy of self-parenting. You're listening to Punk Theology, closing the lid on 2018. Well, I went to the doctor, I said I'm feeling kind of rough. Let me break it to you, son, your shit's fucked up. I said my shit's fucked up, well I don't see how. He said the shit that used to work. Derek. Yeah. How's it going, man? I'm doing all right. There's only four of us tonight. Arthur's not here, and Chuck is in Hawaii. Hawaii. Trend. Yeah. Calling you out, Chuck and Arthur. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Fucking show up. (laughs) (laughs) They're tardy. MIA. Um, But yeah. It's around baby Jesus' birthday time. That's right. And it's really important to Arthur. (laughs) (laughs) And tear away from his religion. Um, Makalaka Hai, what is it? Uh, Well, there's... Song Hawaii, Merry Christmas. Makalaka Yeah, something like that. Off the rails. Yeah, I'm sorry. (laughs) Anyway, that's enough banter, I suppose. Throw that out there. So, what are we talking about tonight, Russ? You had a great uh, idea, and it had me thinking about Christmas and how people view, at least for me, this is how I interpreted what you were saying, was how much of the shit I've been processing has centered around God being Santa, kind of like, Hmm. and this parenting, like we're all, I think I, in so my philosophy, let's, let's say it's par- parenting parenting oneself, right? Parenting yourself, yeah. So, so what does that what does that look like? Because you brought that up, I thought that was brilliant. What did you have in mind? Because I kind of ran with right. it. I got Elf on the shelf. There's Satan sitting there, <laughs> fucking judging everything I do. He's making a God's killer surveillance system that watches everything I've done. There's actually a brilliant <laughs> teardown of Santa and Rudolph, and like Santa knows the good and bad that every kid in the world. Does he fucking knew that Rudolph was getting bullied, right? And he didn't do jack shit about it until he needed his fucking nose. Santa's a piece of shit, right? <laughs> He's a like corporate, like corporate fucking yeah. boss going the, out. Man. The message of, of Rudolph right now is reindeer is uh, we don't care about you until you're worth it. <laughs> like, right? You be useful and yeah. then we'll help you out <laughs> and then we'll make you the hero. But until then, fuck you. <laughs> This is sort of that for me, though, in that reparenting conversation, because um, as as I think about Christianity and just my interaction and my relationship with being a person of faith, is uh, I I, I see this trait in myself and I see in other people, Russ, as you're talking about kind of that Santa Claus analogy, you know, God's watching, is I, I don't know if I really know how to have a healthy spirituality that doesn't have like a certain element of OCD to it. Mm. That could be part of my personality, although it could be like I developed that kind of personality because of that 
sort of construct, yeah, yeah. but it's like God's watching. Like, am I good enough? Am I? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, well, I think what, what Derek brought up with it, the inner child metaphor and the idea of parenting oneself. I think where I was going with it is I've been doing again EMDR again. We yes. keep talking about it. It's, yeah. it's effective. Um, yeah, and I have all these children in my safe room uh, that I sit and do therapy on. And I've spent a lot of time... They're kind of iconic, and they, they deal with different parts of my personality. One of them's more pessimistic. One of them's more fearful and anxious. One of them's more creative. One of them's kind of evil and damaged and angry. Uh, and I find myself more and more and more kind of counseling in them and comforting them and letting them just kind of feel what they feel mm-hmm. where historically what I did was try to cut them off mm-hmm. and like go away I can't deal with you right now try to bury them right yeah go like like it would honestly in this moment it would be better if you just kind of died and never came back like that was kind mm-hmm. of my historic I'm fashioning your like, gravestone right yes yeah please just go away you're really fucking inconvenient uh, all these emotions, you know, just get in the way of what I want to do and my ambitions and where I want my life to go. Uh, and that didn't end very well, <laughs> right? It's that's classic right. bottling things up, right? Stuff it. Like, because you can't actually kill it and just stuff it down and then eventually, it, you know, and then I, I'd be depressed for three months and didn't know why. It's the most <laughs> fucking, <laughs> fucking crushing my emotions right. and hoping that they would just go away and then they started the week out. Murder your inner yeah. child. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, turns out murdering your inner child isn't, <laughs> <laughs> isn't the answer. Who knew? So, but I'm spending a lot more time just kind of comforting them and soothing them and validating them. Uh, and it started to feel like parenting. Yeah. Like, like I spent, especially recently, the, the child that really is fearful and anxious, uh, just spending time, like, visualizing, like, comforting, rubbing his back, you know, like, rubbing his feet, rubbing his calves... Just saying, like, it's okay, man. Like, hey, so I did this the other day. I was feeling really, really anxious about a, a thing that was going on. Um, and uh, and I said, okay, for the next two minutes, I'm going to let you feel as anxious as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to sit here. We're in a safe spot. Nothing's going on. I'm just going to lean in, and we're going to feel super, super fearful and super, super anxious. And I did it. And the funny thing about doing that is trying to feel fearful. <laughs> like, like, trying to lean into it. Kind yeah. of just... And, Everything kind of dissolves uh-huh. and makes it go away. Uh, but I gave him the space to just feel what he felt. And gave him, you know, two minutes, right? Oof. Like, okay, this is yours, buddy. Mm-hmm. Just just run with it. Do what, do what you feel you need to do. This is a validation of your feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found it to be super helpful. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't even, you know, the mechanics of it are pretty black boxy. I don't really... Know what's going on or, or how that's helping, but Were it seems you to be parented that way know. as a kid. Though, do you feel like your parents, like if you got no. emotional, they did they let you? But no. there emotional? was no room. No. Well, at times they did, but my memories and my feeling on it, it was more than often than not the emotions were kind of squelched. Yep, right. And uh, and for the for the same reason that I squelched my emotions, right? Like it's kind of inconvenient. They're kind of embarrassing me. Like like. You know, and, and my emotions were very childlike. They were loud and and annoying and in their face. Everyone's emotions are childlike. That's the beautiful thing right. about it. Everyone's emotions. And they weren't controlled. Yeah. And so they were trying to get me to the point where, you know, I could control them somewhat and at least have them come out. Uh, but I don't know that it 
went terribly well, and I don't I've, I don't know that I learned it uh, in a healthy manner. I think I grew crooked mm-hmm. uh, under that under that environment, and so I'm in the process of trying to parent myself and give myself freedom to to uh, to just feel what I feel and validate that portions of myself that I've tried to get rid of for so long. Does the anxious kid stop being anxious after some healthy reparenting? He, he's more up and down, which is great because he was always down. Gotcha. Right? So he has, there's some days where he's in the fetal position, <laughs> just whining, like, and like in genuine pain. Like, this is terrible. Like, like, this is the worst ever. And there's some days, like the other day when I was in therapy, we checked in on him and he was sitting up and he looked exhausted. But he was like sitting up, holding his own, like 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 at the tail end of being really sick, right? He's better, but he just fucking battled for a couple of days trying to get better. That's kind of how he looked, and that was a massive improvement over being in the fetal position. Um, do you yeah. ever find him? You, let me rephrase that. Do you ever find yourself responding in a way that it's him responding through you? Yes. So me too. It and the crazy thing is sometimes my things will manifest themselves in my behavior mm-hmm. and I don't know what's going on until like three or four days later. Yeah. So that happened with my, with Wednesday, my pessimistic mm-hmm. person. Um, my uh, counselor calls them e- uh, egoic states. That's currently oh. the technical word for it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so this egoic state, uh, and I think it was two weeks ago, all of a sudden I was just super, super fucking cynical and pessimistic, <laughs> like in this crazy mood. And at the same time, my therapist had told me to check in with these uh, with these states, and uh, and I did. And she was aggressive and bouncing off the walls, and like like threatening me, eyes in, like eyes in my face, and I didn't connect those two things that I was being super pessimistic and that she was super anxious, which in retrospect felt stupid because because clearly those two things were connected. But it's a part of my brain that doesn't like. There are two different parts of my brains, and they brain and they don't always the talk to each other connect, very yeah. well. So I right. am, it, and and so it shocks me sometimes that that the personality is feeling something and manifesting itself in my behavior way before I figured out what was going on. Does that happen to you? Oh well, yeah, I got a six year old okay. in myself, and I'll act out. My six year old will act out, and what I'm really beginning to understand is that six year old realized it wasn't safe to express your emotions, express your feelings, express your thoughts. There's there's stuff in us, but it wasn't safe. So what he does is he acts out in a in a in an attempt to protect me. Okay. Yeah. And I'm my pre-parenting him is I'm adult now. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm okay. I don't need you to do this. And I can sense it coming out. Um even in uh, even mainly in, in dialogue with my wife, she will become uh, not. She's almost p- trying to parent me, feeling like I can't do stuff, and that six year old's back there, and, and he's ready to rage at her. And I've told her about him, and I'm not sure how she views that, mm-hmm. but she goes, "No, and actually, make she sure you it. tell it. Make sure you tell her it's a demon." <laughs> oh, yeah, that works. <laughs> but it works because she 
says something and she goes, oh, because she was puzzled by a response I made over an, an innocent remark she made. And I said, my, my deal right now is I'm trying to recognize that six-year-old. Yeah. Because he is trying to defend me. He's trying to protect me because at six years old, I didn't have anybody. Oh, you mentioned this before, and I think I asked you, I don't remember what your answer was. At least what, 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 you're, what you're saying sounds familiar to me. It, my, my, my question is, if you're telling that six-year-old, hey, I'm a grown-up now, I got it, are you giving him voice? Are you giving him expression? Or are you stuffing him? I think I'm hopefully trying to tell him it's okay now. Okay. That he doesn't need to be my defender. Because sometimes those things need. Sometimes those things need expression. Yeah. They, they yeah. need to rage, if you will. Yeah. But yeah. I, I don't know. I'm just asking. But yeah, and I think the whole idea of the safe space is giving them permission to rage and giving them an environment to do that. Yeah. Inside Control. of your head. Yeah. Not it doesn't right. actually freak out on your wife. Yeah. It actually <laughs> yeah. doesn't actually. Oh, well, you, you freaked out on my kids when they were younger, right. uh, because it would just trigger. Uh, a feeling of being unsafe. And when I felt threatened, challenged, or, or unsafe, that's when that six-year-old would, would Totally. Yeah. I see these things in, in theological ways sometimes, too. That's why I wish Arthur was here, because Arthur, I, sometimes I'd bounce this stuff, and he, he would come back with a, a response outside of that theological box. But my theological box would say there's a childish and a childlike part of those those kids in me, you know? Um, and so the childish part is the one that's acting out and being a brat, right? You know, and fucking with relationships and stuff like that. And then there's a child like me that's very, that just wants to rest and be. And, and I was thinking about this with Brendan Manning, right? Mm. Like the, there's, 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 there's the Naughty Bolts who ever talked about this too. She said, she goes, I grew up in a house where God was sort of mean and angry. And he was like, you know, he's making a list. He's checking it twice. Mm-hmm. Gonna find out who's naughty and nice, and so so he's up there with his script. You know, the elf is on the shelf, and he has a killer surveillance system. You know? Yeah, keeping score. And so that 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 god is very different than the the god of Brendan Manning, who's more in the childlike realm of of loving and caretaking, even the bratty parts of ourselves that just need to have a voice for the fucked up shit in the world because the world's kind of fucked up, you know? And it's okay to to be pissy sometimes. <laughs> we all get hangry, tired, isolated, you know? All that stuff affects those kids, our emotions. I think what it looks like for me is I... For, for probably the first half of the duration I've been doing serious therapy was learning how to love those younger parts of myself. Yeah. And now I can say in all sincerity, I really do. Mm-hmm. Like I really do love parts of myself that I, I didn't before. I used to hate. And now what it looks like is sort of installing resources that I didn't get from my parents. It's like mm-hmm. I, I love the kids. That's the first step. But the second step is what didn't you get that you needed? Right. And, and those are two different things. Yeah. But you got to start with the loving part. Yeah. But there's a lot of things I didn't get from my parents, kind of like what, what Derek's describing. Um for me, it seems like it's uh, agency or um, independence or like a sense of self. Empowerment. Like, empowerment, uh, creativity, you know, be yourself. Mm-hmm. And I don't think my parents knew what to do with that. And I think they saw me as an extension of them. Yep. 
and it's typical probably for yes. you know parents of you know baby boomer Back parents to or whatever. summary of parenthood it's so hard not to project <laughs> it's so hard not yeah. to project it's yeah. so hard i try not to project it so it's interesting because i i kind of reparent myself with those resources not unlike the way i try to parent my own kids which is you know let them be their own people let them make their own decisions maybe they won't have the same values i have maybe they won't agree with me and maybe they'll think different things about politics or theology or um uh i um you know, one thing for me is um, while we go to church and participate in liturgy and we participate in certain things, aside from that, I don't really want to indoctrinate my kids. I kind of let them decide what they want to do um, and give them a lot of autonomy and freedom to make decisions. So it's their path. They're going to figure their own stuff out. And quite frankly, theirs might be different than mine. And, and, the, and the crazy and, part is, though, I think you do indoctrinate Regardless, no, probably. The, the, but I mean, intentionally, like well, you're going to yeah. go to this Sunday school and VBS, and you're going to learn the all. Journey the journey is to love them, accept them, encourage them, and whichever they I do. Think, regardless, and, unless they're Republican Protestants, because <laughs> I'm kidding. There's a thing that I really latched on strongly to that Malcolm Gladwell said oh. in one of his uh, podcast episodes, uh, talking about. Uh, Parents, relationship with parents, that type of thing. And he said, the thing that I struggled with my parents, and many people seem to struggle with with their parents, uh, is the understanding that your children may not attach to your beliefs, but they will attach to your principles. Oh, interesting. That makes sense. very true and very important. Wow. Yeah. And I think my parents and a lot of people in that, in that sphere the transfer of belief was so important. Yeah. Like you have to believe yeah. yep. the structure. Yep. The beliefs have to transfer. And, and if they don't, <laughs> I'm going to fucking beat on you. And then if that doesn't work, I'm going to abandon you. Eternity right. lies in the balance, right. Derek. Exactly. Yeah. The belief <laughs> is the important thing. Go to hell, man. I don't go but to you can't. But, <coughs> but that doesn't work because cultures change. Yeah. Times change. Technology changes. Access to information changes. Just the way people bounce it, like some beliefs are fluid things. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, they're they're they not the same today. Yeah, or yesterday, today, and forever. They're just not. Yeah, uh, but per, but principles can be. Hmm. Of yeah. you know, treat other people well. Honesty is important. Yeah, like 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 yeah, the way you hold yourself is important. First impressions, uh, like all that stuff, which I've. Actually, feel very strongly. My parents did a pretty damn good job of giving me some very good, very strong principles. Yeah, and they deserve credit for that. Yeah, because I I feel and I've had lots of feedback, especially recently, that I'm a very principled person, mm. and and I tend to, uh, and in many situations, uh, even if I could gain more materially, uh, I tend to default towards my principles, mm. um, and. Uh, but but there's still that tension of yeah, but the beliefs aren't the same, right. and so that's kind of my goal for my kids is can I pass on my principles and be a little more lax on the beliefs? That's so good. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I'm with you there. So good. Well, that's it. Let's let the play. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but that's true. It's yeah. absolutely yeah, true. Yeah, it is true. In in what you have to battle as a parent are those insecurities that you have, you know, like what are you doing, or like what, where are you going with this, and and I'm doing that the same to myself too, to my kids inside of me, mm-hmm. right? Because a lot of them have 
beliefs. Sure. And I'm pulling them towards principles instead. I think of like oh, yeah. of like love, of fighting the beliefs with principles because they believe some shit that really affects me. Yeah. And comes out really negatively, and just and just fighting that with a principle of of like, hey, you you have value. I love you. It's it's safe here to be to emote um, uh, those type of things, uh, and and do less time extrapolating, right? Because that's what my egoic states do. Is they're extrapolators. They take information and they say this is going to happen, and then this is going to be happening, and this is going to happen, and we're all going to die, right? <laughs> like that's what happens every time. Is we're all going to fucking die, um, and uh, and and kind of breaking that down because because right. when you're, your emotions are that tied to projection that's where that anxiety really picks up yeah. and really spins and tortures you uh, and, and and letting emotions be emotions and not thoughts I think is a big is a big theme and again through parenting them yeah through sitting down with them spending time with them wrapping my arms around them telling them I love them and saying you don't have to and, and I think Steve's got a point and a lot of my kids are trying to save me mm. they're trying to protect me mm-hmm. like especially Wednesday like that's her role like she's kind of this motherly role of like of like I don't necessarily like my role of what I do for us but it keeps us safe and there's some pride in that and I'm going right. to kind of stick to that um, and and kind of letting her like telling her like that's awesome but uh, but you can relax a little bit and, and that idea that that little child has beliefs that I ever never thought about that but my six-year-old does not feel it's safe he says it's not safe out here right and it's like says, a worldview mm-hmm. yeah and you will and he believes you will never be good enough mm-hmm. no matter what you do you're never going to be good enough mm-hmm. and that you're always trying to prove yourself and that's the voice that keeps wanting to get out mm-hmm. wow it's my generation. That's heavy. I was listening to this guy, uh, Daniel Pink, who's a lawyer, uh, wrote a book about motivation, which is a bestseller. He wrote a new book called the, the new, uh, the new brain or something like that. And how it was, it was mostly, you know, like for people in the workplace and business and corporate environments. But he was saying that, you know, he believes that the future, um, machines will do a lot of the, left brain work and so the more right brain you are the better you'll do in the future because it's either going to be outsourced or a lot of this you know left brain kind of accounting writing manuals shit like that will be done by machines emotional yeah so having emotional not just emotional intelligence but he had uh, five different things I can't remember all five one of them one of them was meaning and installing meaning. Right. Because meaning, and it had me think about some philosophy on this, like what comes first, meaning or belief? Right. Right? So you, and when it comes to theology, that's why I'm interested in theology because theology, like even Christmas time, where you're almost, you almost feel this sort of weird pressure to be positive during a really stressful season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like everything's going on all the time, but it's joyful, you know, the Santa and he's jolly and you know and everyone's 
supposed to be, you know, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Did you see that um, SNL sketch with uh, Matt Damon? Oh, God, that was so good. I missed it that. Was so, I, saw, I put it on my Facebook page. It's him and his wife sitting on the couch talking about the Christmas that just happened. It was like, it was the best Christmas it's, ever. And then they show scenes from what happened. It was fucking terrible, right? It was just a nightmare. But they're sitting on the couch afterwards like, that was just the best Christmas. Kids are freaking <laughs> out, right? <laughs> trying to put together a dollhouse. Yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> a very good summer. And Misha and I both look at each other like, yeah, yep. that's kind of how I feel. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, I like Christmas Vacation is such an iconic movie. Right, you know? totally. You're going to see that guy kind of Plastered smile shit. on his face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then all the family comes over. What does he do? He's going to put up lights. Like, I'm going to get the fuck out of here. And <laughs> put up lights. Um, Speaking of, are you guys around next week? Like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, the the installing of belief, or the install, in installing of meaning, and then belief tends to flow from yeah, where we put meaning. Belief right? comes from the desire for meaning. Right? Like I need, or, or it flows downhill from meaning. Yeah. I, like, I need these dots to connect. How am I going to get these dots to connect? And that's where belief is kind of the structure that starts to build itself yeah. around those dots. Well, that's kind of like some of the thinking around this podcast when it started. My mom dying and me having this kid in my car who was going to a theology exam. You know, like there's right and wrong answers about faith-based stuff. Like I was really right. puzzled and I got really curious with this kid. It's like it's all faith-based stuff. Like no one can prove it. So... In that sense, like there's there's a meaning, and then all these people wrote all these fucking books. Who was it? I think Dobson uh, was talking about one of the Dobson kids or something. Yeah, I think you were telling me about this, where or, or you pointed me to the podcast where he got a job, um, like a tourist job in in Jerusalem. Well, uh, that's Ken Dobson. Or was it Ken? He's Dobson? not he's related. He's to not James related Dobson. to James. No, no he's fucking, not. Ken Dobson on the family guy. people. He's an interesting dude. But, but he but. said he said he was really moved by the fact that all these people believe in this same Christian God, but have totally different belief systems around it. You know, and just in maybe and they're out, different gods. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. Or the same God, just different interpretations. There's yeah, a lot of difference exactly. between the Different Orthodox God and the Calvinist God. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're the, the God of Brennan Manning and the God of John Piper. Those are different gods. I mean, yeah. you can. What are they? I mean, you. I don't know. I mean, if if if, if you're going off of like like a Protestant paradigm of you know the Bible and that's where you derive authority. Um, it's a fucking Rorschach test. You could find anything there. You, you can find both there, and it's usually it's usually leaning on one side or the other. But they may be the same genus, but they're not the same species. Is that what yeah, you maybe <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Because yeah. it's for me, it's the same God I grew up with. It's just now I view him entirely differently than I did growing up. That I no longer need to prove anything. Right. That I don't, I'm not earning. I can be who. I am. Right. I'm not. That see that th- for me. That's that same God. It's just I just see Him differently. I actually have strong views about that. Like, since Russ brings up theology, I don't want to spend too much time on it personally. But like, as opposed to seeing that as is the same God, th- there's this idea that I've heard. It, it kind of describes like like the God of a lot of Protestants. You know, a lot, a lot of Christians, for that matter. Is is a Janus faced God, like a two faced God? You know, sometimes he's good, sometimes he's wrath, sometimes he's love, sometimes he's uh, anger. You know, it's like the very two faced. You know, God the Father 
you know, lightning bolts and Jesus is love. And it's like, what what the heck's going on? Well, and, the reindeer abuse you until your nose becomes useful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, we like you now. Yeah. Rudolph. Yeah. Um, and I think the the healthier way to see it, at least from, from my point of view that I've gleaned from just my exploration of it is, as opposed to seeing it as one God, see it as people making their way to God, telling their story of God. Like God tells a story through his children in the form of baby talk. Is yeah. They make their way through them, and that sort of revelation is progressive. And so God accommodates and condescends to us and allows us to project God our, submits. God submits to us. Yeah. I mean, look at the incarnation. Look at Christmas. Isn't that what it is? Is God being vulnerable and submitting to us in the form of a baby? I mean, it's crazy. Like when you think about the story. So, God allowing us to project our bad ideas onto Him is we're trying to make meaning and figure shit out. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's the way I kind of see it more as opposed to like that's the same God, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. so uh, and I, I like the way. Um, well, I heard Brad Jersack put it this way. It's like, um, you know, you, you look at the, the, the conquest narratives or some of the imprecatory prayers. It's like, tell me that that is the Abba of Jesus, you know, commanding them to kill all the people in Jericho. I mean, is that really, is that the Abba of Jesus? I mean, yeah. really? That's the way I, I kind of yeah. look at it anyway. But but is it, is it a tribal nomadic group of people that... that you know, war with other tribes, and is that the way they project military victory? Is i.e., is it military propaganda? Does God allow that in His story of His people? I, I think so. That, that, that's, yeah. that might make a lot of people uncomfortable yeah. that are in that kind of sola scriptura. I've done a lot of work in exploring to, to get there, but that's just the way I, I see it. As opposed to seeing like one God, I see more of people making their way to yeah. that God. So that's why, Steve, I kind of yeah. see it as, no, as, as different. But and, and, and to be fair, I don't want to because I, I could I could shit on John Piper very easily. That's okay. <laughs> but, but 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 to be fair though, what, what I see, and this is actually what I see from my former iteration of faith and people that I was in community with is is they're they're really trying to be consistent and they're really committed to what they see as the truth and that's really important to them and they're trying to reconcile those differences and those nuances and those tensions I don't think you can really do it but they're trying to and I I have to respect them for at least that sincerity as much as I might I don't know. I think with some it, religion, like you, talk, you bring up John Piper, some of it's just projection, you know. And there's a lot of people that believe in this, this, this angry God, Zeus-like God, so that they can judge other people, right? Because I don't like the gays or whatever. So now I have a tribe of people that I can partner oh, with man. and judge the fucking world. That's one of my favorite. Things. I'm on the right side, and they're they're yeah, going to hell. This, they're going to hell. this goes back like like maybe you know, seven, eight years ago, but there was maybe longer, maybe like a decade ago, but there was, you know, Brian McLaren, who's this uh, kind of progressive pastoral type thinker, pro- uh, good writer, good thinker. He has some interesting stuff. And like, you know, Mark Driscoll, who's like the neo-Calvinist back in the Mars Hill days. And, and they kind of, they weren't like in dialogue with each other, but like I, I saw this thing with Brian McLaren where it's like, you know, Mark Driscoll would look at someone like you with kind of like your mamby pamby lovey Jesus stuff, and and say that you're you're just making a god uh, of your own creation, a, a god of your own projection, 
And McLaren just smiles and goes, well, I would probably say the same thing about him. He's with a machismo, yep. cage-fighting Jesus thing. You know, is that what he's doing, too? It's like... It, <laughs> So it's just like it, it could be the Bible. If you're just looking at it that way, it could be a Rorschach test. You can find anything you want to in it. But it, yeah, but it depends on the the person and how they're interpreting their own. And a lot of it has to do with that parenting thing. You know, that's why that's where I was bouncing off what you were saying about parenting yourself and being a kid growing up in that, and you're trying to differentiate and interpret how your parents viewed that God. Um, and I, I kind of agree with both of you guys, Steve and, and John, about that. Because it's something Paul Young said about it, too. I thought it was really beautiful. Is that over and over again, the Bible, uh, Paul Young said that the Bible is is a way that God's telling his story. But he submits to human beings. He doesn't say, no, you're doing this wrong. He says, okay, so you're going to build this religion thing. And I'm going to climb inside it with love and destroy it from the inside out. And from the Old Testament to the New Testament, it's that kind of progression to the end. It's not that you know the angry God of the Old Testament isn't real. It's that that's how they interpret it, because that's what people did. You know, It's like, oh, your crops aren't growing, and it's drought. We must have upset the, 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 the angry God. And, you know, I mean... The, the I mean, the Old Testament, the New Testament ends with well, it's, it's what, yeah. God submitting to us. Fucking I don't think it's beings. a coincidence at all that people end up in the in the uh, denominations that they end up in because I think ultimately they're trying to find the particular version of God that soothes their particular version of anxiety and brokenness. <laughs> right. right? Sure. Like, and there's you know Protestant in. Ism in particular has a million different brands of that. Right. So we're and they cater to a million types of damage. Yeah. So wherever your damage is, like if you are a person that's really anxious and concerned about safety, and and you find a lot of soothing and consistency, and you don't like absurdity, you just go to the strong evangelical John Piper. Yeah. He said, "God is consistent. I <laughs> promise." Yeah. Oh. That's such good. It's comforting, news. yeah. That it's feels comforting. so great because it really feels like things are chaotic out there. Until you, you find out one of your kids are gay, then it blows up in your face. Or well, then you gotta keep right. patching it together. Yeah, yeah. So you, then you gotta kick them out of the house. So then they remind you. You gotta be consistent. We're going yeah. back to the we'll topic. Breakdown. Those are your two choices. Going back into the topic, though, how much of deconstruction is the same analogy of climbing? Like, if you love in your kids, loving their meaning or loving their beliefs. Climbing inside them with love and trying to tease that out from the inside. Right, well, um, that's where your own damage comes up against your kid's damage. Yep. And that's a hell of a That's part of what we're so. doing is, is talking about this inner child thing. Be therapeutic. And doing the therapies. And, and this group is therapy. Kind of. It's like, yeah, it's yeah. our support group. We just yeah. report it. <laughs> well, I, I, because what, that's part of it, well, though, when I think we're about, doing that. When I think about that reparenting, and, and this is really striking a chord with me, like, you know, I I was, I think even am like, but definitely was as a kid like a pretty creative, a pretty creative kid, a pretty curious kid, pretty weird kid, and I I don't think my parents knew what to do with that. And I think they were afraid of it, and I think they wanted to kind of put a lid on it and contain it because it was scary. You know, right. I was drawn to a certain aesthetic. Um, you know that they didn't know what to do with. It wasn't like a good Christian boy should look or, or something. The music I liked, the clothes I wanted to wear that they wouldn't let me wear or whatever. 
and uh, I had an older cousin who influenced me with you know the music and the clothes and shit and and uh, oh no that you, you can't no we're not going there you're not looking like that you're not listening to that you know you're not watching that that was a lot of kind of you're not playing with that you know like my mm. my grandparents would buy me toys my parents would throw them away or burn them because they they kind of were going through a fundy phase when I was young and uh, and so I think I felt like suppressed and kind of stifled well I don't think that my iterations of faith ever helped me flourish in my creativity because I don't know like I never could make peace with my curiosities and kind of interests with my faith because sometimes they're opposed sometimes they don't line up because I kind of am attracted to a lot of dark weird perverted shit that doesn't like really line up with well that's it. been one of the so. biggest struggles of evangelicalism is it's impossible <coughs> to be creative yeah because everything's so there's so many rules stifled the, the purpose is to strip out creativity yeah right yeah so, so come be our worship leader but you have to follow these 36 million rules yep. <laughs> yeah. as far as how you do it. So you have four songs and you have six chords. Go. <laughs> like, that's what it ends up with. Be creative, though. Be or creative. be a recording artist, but don't swear. Right. Or, yeah, yeah. Or, or be an artist, but, you know, don't be too dark or weird about it. Be, and it can, you know. Yeah. It can be exactly <laughs> like the other secular stuff, but it's got to be a little bit shittier. And it's got to be less great. It's got to be a carbon copy with the Jesus Jesus spin on it, right? Like, it's like you, know? you, you and I have talked about certain like relationships, Derek. It's like Christianity. You could almost say is like uh, it might be good for your ego, but it's horrible for your id. Yeah, like, Christianity's right. horrible for your id. That monkey child creative. Like I want to do what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's horrible for that. And what do you do with that? How do you make peace with that? King's Kaleidoscope, one of the bands out of Mars Hill, Ballard. He has said <coughs> after he left. Mars Hill, that his creativity has just exploded mm -hmm. yeah. because he's no longer feels that he has to fit that mold right. that was impressed. And I'm, you know, thinking back, he was the most out there <coughs> worship guy I've ever been under and I've ever sat and listened to. Yeah. Uh, but now his stuff is just, and it too are all over the world, but his stuff is just out there. Yeah, you can't be creative because no. creativity, the definition of creativity is being outside of the box. Yeah. The definition of Christianity is a box. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Also, Jeff Becker, when I had him on this podcast, he talked about, you know, being in that punk band that was signed by a Christian label and him in Roadside Monument wanting to get out from underneath. There was one guy in Roadside Monument that just, I don't want anything to do with the Christian music scene ever again. And they formed this band called the, the Raft of Dead Monkeys, which was, and he, and he said, he said, you know, we weren't trying to just be assholes and push against the thing. Maybe a little bit. Like they had a song. They had one song uh, that was called uh, For the Sake of Shit About Fuck, you know? <laughs> That's the title of the song. Yeah. Just because they weren't even allowed to say swear words. Right. Yeah. Christian label, so we're going to name a fucking song that in this thing. And they never got a label. Um, the secular record companies wouldn't touch them, you know, because they were tooth and nail and then... But they were a really popular local band in Seattle in the, in the late 90s. Um, but, yeah, it was kind of that same idea that you're talking about. That Jeff said, I, I thought it was beautiful what he said. He said, we just want to be God's kids. Yeah, that's cool. Just yeah. be God's kids. Yep. But play this out, though, because I'm thinking through this. And the way my, the way, where my brain's going with it is, uh, you know, you seem to come to a fork in the road where... 
gosh, it almost makes some sense to just abandon that, uh, abandon the the Jesus faith thing, and, and just be just be fucking human, just live life, be human, just right. just live your life, be creative. But that's gonna invariably hit a dead end too, because uh-huh. what's the outflow of that? It's like okay, so you're some self absorbed like person that well, okay, you're not suppressed or stifled anymore, but are you really fulfilled? I mean, okay, well, so that's I mean, why I see layers. <laughs> I always I'm I'm a guy who sees layers. I see colors and layers, uh-huh. and at one layer like that, I've kind of done that. Like I'm a I don't like religion. I'm not a fan, but I'm a I'm a Christian. I would consider myself a mystic, probably. A, but I, I like the Jesus story. I like who Jesus is. I like. I feel like I've had some kind of spiritual um, experience. It's something I've experienced, not something that was shoved into me from the outside, but something that was experienced from the inside out. And that, um, that is that is at a layer. It's at my roots, you know. So so if there's roots to things, you can't just pull up your roots. Like you, Chuck brought up a thing. He says, why do you got to bring religion into it? And I said, it's sort of like trying to take something out of my, my, uh, my insides, like my history. Like I can't shed my history. That, that happened to me. So I have to deal with the roots as they are. And I see, John, I connect with that too. Mm-hmm. Right? And I've spent time there, like spent a lot of time exploring life outside of Christianity mm-hmm. and stuff. And and at first it's really exciting because it's very different. It's liberating. It's definitely different and it's liberating. And then you go exploring and there's all kinds of cool things to find. And then eventually you get to the point where you go, this is different. <laughs> is this better? <laughs> nah, it's life. Better is not the word for it. It's life. It's different. It's definitely different. Uh, and it's fun to explore. And there's a lot of cool stuff in there. Is it better? Yeah. Some stuff's better. Some stuff's worse. I don't... Yeah, I don't think better is the right word for it. So at that point, like, am I comfortable just going back and being a Christian then? Sure. Am I comfortable spending days where I'm not necessarily a Christian? Sure. Like, like sometimes it's nice to get a little bit of a different perspective, but I don't know, like, both sides will argue tooth and nail and kill each other saying this is better. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's like, eh, I don't know that's better. Maybe yeah. you need that to be a wholly integrated person. Right. You know, to... Yeah. Um, you have to hold both with, with open hands, right? But so, but Russ, when I'm hearing you talk, and I, I like what you're saying, and, and it does resonate. But 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 someone like me, and the way I'm wired, would would ask. I mean, you realize you're just making shit up as you go along, right? Like you're not tethered to any kind of tradition, and or any kind of. Uh, for lack of a better word, authority. Not that I, I don't like that word, but but you know what I'm saying. It's mm-hmm. like, and is that is that feel free or is that insecure? Is, is that both? I tend to view tradition sometimes as turtles all the way down. <laughs> right? Turtles. What do you mean? So there's that expression, an, turtles all the way down. So there's this. A, I I think the the story I was told was that there was this lady that went and talked to Bill Gates and some like public meeting or something like that. And, and was trying to convince him that the earth was flat and was on the back of four <laughs> elephants, right? That was on a turtle. And she and so Bill Gates asked her, so what's the turtle on? She says, another turtle. And he goes, what's that turtle on? Another turtle. And she, she goes, what's that turtle on? She goes, it's turtles all the way down. Right? Uh, like, where's traditions, the stop? <laughs> tradition's the same thing, right? Yeah. Like, I'm relying on this guy yeah, who yeah. relied on this guy who relied on this guy yeah. who relied on this yeah, guy yeah. who might have just made the whole fucking thing up yeah. on a whim. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. that's kind of... And and 
It is something to tie to. Yeah, yeah. But if you really start to get into oh, it, yeah. something no, like that may just be turtles all the way down. Right. I like I like the analogy. It's like a game of telephone. You know, right. I said that before. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that too. Yeah. But I think it's different if you experience it. When you experience something that changes your life from that's the true. inside out, that's different. It's not just a, a construct that I created. Yeah. And I'm standing on because some other guy said it. Yeah. And I'm just supposed to believe it. Yeah. And something like, that I can get behind is fighting for people people that find something that they feel like it worked for them mm-hmm. fighting for them to be able to feel like that totally that's yeah. a very important thing to me yeah. like I think that's batshit crazy and I don't get it but you really genuinely feel like it worked for you and I fully support that and, and, and that's I'm what, glad and I'm, I'm here yeah. to, to share your excitement in that I'm not going to yuck your yum right and that's what Pink would say about meaning Okay, I'm going to yuck your yum. Me. You're quoting Pink. <laughs> okay, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Daniel Pink is going to say that, that that's meaning. Like, because you infuse it with meaning, it gives it belief. And belief springs from meaning. Even if the meaning isn't, isn't uh, bound in, in facts and things that you can nail down, which nothing in faith-based shit is, right? It's all... Even atheism, we can't prove it. You can't prove it. There's science out there that can prove... Lots of stuff, but we really don't know why we're all here. There's no concrete evidence for any of it. So deal with it. It's a good place to end it. Yeah. Or as Lady Gaga once said. <laughs> she didn't have a good quote. <laughs> all right. Tease me with that. <laughs> Merry fucking Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Okay, motherfuckers. Uh, out. Thanks for listening to Punk Theology. Oh, the silent majesty of a winter's morn, the clean, cool chill of the holiday air, and an asshole in his bathrobe emptying a chemical toilet into my sewer. Like to join us in having more ears hear this punk sound? Please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you may hear this fucking podcast. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Kiss my ass. Kiss his ass. Kiss your ass. Happy Hanukkah. Punk Theology is the property of Digital Audio Project, a limited liability corporation, who is responsible for its content. Don't check it out! Nobody's walking out on this fun old-fashioned family Christmas. No, no, we're all in this together. We're going to press on, and we're going to have the hap-hap-happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap dance with Danny fucking K. And when Santa squeezes his fat white ass down that chimney tonight, he's going to find the jolliest bunch of assholes this side of the nuthouse. <laughs>